Hi everyone, welcome to Freshwater Perspectives. Today we'll be talking about the vibrant and wealthy history of the koi fish trade. Hope you enjoy. How are we doing? Another week down, Riley. I'm excited. <laughs> Another week <laughs> down. For those who don't know, my name is Riley Bewley. I'm one of your co-hosts. And I'm your other co-host, Matt Gladfelter. And this is uh, Freshwater Perspectives, where we talk about anything related to freshwater, be it fish, water quality, all topics. We also uh, have a website called fishwaterandtravel.com. We'll probably mention that again at the end of this, but... Uh, we'll have articles related to this as well as um, other videos and other forms of education uh, that we'll put on that website as well. So glad you're, you're listening then. Hopefully we have a few more <laughs> listeners. This is probably, I don't know, seven. Episode say, yeah, seven. If we, well, if we follow our algorithm in some of the previous episodes, we got to be up to like five or six people now. I really hope so. Anyways, the running <laughs> gag. Dude, um, something that uh, I wrote an article about probably not big enough for uh an episode is there was uh i think they called it a catastrophic fish die-off at a i saw that on the huge... social media i saw yep. that yep oh yeah everyone we have social media by the same name fishwater and travel hopefully in all social media sites mm -hmm. but uh check us out there too um but yeah so 2100 excuse me 21,000 fish died oh geez. yeah it was a UC Davis. Um, they think it was due to chlorine. So a chlorine backup happened and it, mm. these fish died. And these weren't just any regular fish, even though all fish deaths are tragic. These are um, somewhere in like, a, I think it said either threatened or endangered species. Oh no. So I think they must have had a holding tanks for other organizations as well. So they talked about like um, some of the, the students that worked in that facility, they're, their uh you'll like this matt their their degree uh is is delayed potentially because of this i i bet it is yeah yeah because those are probably a lot of study organisms that they use i know oh, and no. um so like PETA, the whatever that acronym is people for the ethical treatment of animals question mark i think that's a yeah and uh they 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 are calling for the shutdown of this um <sighs> this thing and so i don't super tragic right and we're in this field so it, it definitely tragic hopefully i think the through line i wanted to, to point out was hopefully they're, they're going to learn you know I, and, and it would be useful for so chlorine why it's there in the first place for disinfection um it, you got to disinfect for biosecurity reasons and you got to disinfect like a anything tanks you scrub down tanks with chlorine um mm -hmm. you also the effluent that's from hatcheries for example sometimes needs to be disinfected so that i could be why they're using chlorine but mm -hmm. i think they said yeah the it backed up through the piping into these tanks so so yeah so was it i guess i'm confused as like so was it all one central system good question i'm not sure but it, that's kind of what it sounded like because it kills so many fish right yeah to kill so many fish it made it seem like it was one central filtration or something there's kind of like one major system that connects all of the tanks yeah, and it said that they're investigating right now, and I'm thinking like, um, 
came to my mind was like a sewage backup, right? So it's like you yeah, flush a but... toilet and it goes out, but then at some point it also could come back. Yeah, for sure. I'm still, I don't know. I'm still hung up on. I know. Then like theoretically all, every single tank in that facility is connected, which just doesn't sound right. Uh, well, I've worked in a, yeah, hatchery, fish culture. And... So they all would be connected to. Like yeah, the, they would. To, to, to like the um, affluent line, right? The waistline where the. Oh, I so, see now. So if that backed okay. up with if that had chlorine, I guess, because it sounded like a good amount of fish. I'm not exactly sure. It wasn't like the most um, in-depth article but yeah hopefully again um we worked in the field for at least some portion of my career and uh you just hate to see it happen but hopefully you know if if it is some kind of a backup thing maybe other um other groups other facilities can learn from it and it won't happen again so i think that's the best um thing to to fully shut down that would that'd be so sad to see yeah um, because especially like they're doing some good stuff right yeah, especially with kids' degrees on the line and stuff like that. I mean, How like stressful. that's not the reason to that's not the reason to keep it open for sure. But uh, like it, it's not those kids' fault, you know. Yep. Like they're just they just need those like whatever little darter or something as their study species. And now, I know. oh man. So, uh, yep. People thinking about going into this field. If you go into grad school, yeah, what three, two, three to. 10 years for mm-hmm. a phd and one of those reasons if something goes wrong um you might have to wait a whole season to to redo your experiment so yeah. you're not off the hook if something goes wrong i guess i never thought about if you're studying an endangered species it might not be there anymore i know so then your study Crazy. species is gone yeah and i think they're housing some of the fish for other um organizations too so mm. that's sad to think but that um, is sad yeah, I think yeah, especially the diversity of organisms too. I mean, like we obviously we have the we have the fishery center here in Auburn, but it's mostly I mean it's all catfish aquaculture with some tilapia. Yeah, you know, I mean yep. obviously if a fish kill happened here, it'd be on the same level of like thousands of fish. Um, but yep. yeah, I guess and disease disease happens. Yeah. So like I uh, mean, about yep. say a couple of years ago, we both know that we had a outbreak of ick. If anyone knows what ick is, um. And it swept through the entire station, and there was very high mortality. And we were going through an experiment during that time, and yeah, a lot of our fish got whacked, unfortunately. I think we uh, we had very, very upper 90s mortalities in some of yeah, our ponds. that was so, unfortunate. Super sad, right? It it happens, and that's why you know we'll talk about biosecurity and the topic I'll be talking about today. So maybe this will be a smooth okay. transition, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, so why are we here? We'll, we'll cut the banter off right now. So um, just as a background of how we do things, so Matt and I will switch off typically who's going to say what um, and, and who's going to lead discussion, and uh, this week it's my, my turn. So I will be talking about the vibrant and wealthy history of the koi fish trade. So uh, koi fish, your, your ornamental type of fish that's highly popular. Um, they can be very expensive. We'll be talking about that today all right everyone so yeah uh talking about the koi fish trade matt do you know anything about uh koi fish uh the only thing i know about koi fish like you said they're very popular ornamental i know that for some reason certain kois can go for like a couple dollars to a couple thousands of dollars and hopefully you talk on why 
Um, well, but I yeah, when you say why. yeah, when you say vibrant and stuff, I don't know. It almost sounds like nefarious. Like there's like a secret underground kind of like koi trade that we're gonna dig into. No, not yeah, I, <laughs> nothing nefarious. But uh, okay. it is long, long, very long. Like okay, so vibrant is colors vibrant colors mm. that's a pun oh, on the color sure. and then wealthy because some of these bad boys sell for a lot so okay yeah. let's 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 start from the top a little intro so um the raising and keeping of koi as a fish hobby it's not not your average hobby so uh best example of this in 2917 excuse me at the all japan koi show the most expensive koi was ever sold guess guess on what it wasn't a million, was it? It was over a million. Oh no. One point eight million dollars. Oh no. It was transacted for, a fish? for it. Mm-hmm. How yep. long do koi's live for? Uh I it will talk about it. I think it said okay. forty, if uh I'm jumping ahead, but I think that is some pretty can live long. for like a, a while. Yeah. But still one point yeah. eight million. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. My. Yeah, this is this oh. is your average hobby, everyone. All right, that's why I want to talk about it. Yeah, strap in. So <laughs> that set the stage really well. Yep, the koi, <laughs> this fish trade, as I said in the the title, vibrant and wealthy history, that spans um, at least like the specific breeding of koi for a hobby type of form from like the 1700s to 1800s. Okay, um, hobbies are partaking all around the world today. Okay, so it's it's more than just a raising a fish to the pastime. They're um, especially in the Japan Japanese culture. This is a uh, kind of really ingrained in their culture because it's kind of where it started from. And the so they will talk about you know the culture, uh, what it's me- meaningful means to certain individuals, why they sell for so much, and we'll talk about things like bloodlines as well. And we'll give a couple of the the high bloodlines and why they're so expensive right yeah so this mm-hmm. is just like dog breeding so it's pretty it's exactly what's bringing to mind dog or like a prized horse breeding yeah yes horses too yeah that's probably the best example and um yeah so we'll start from the 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 where it started so from like chinese or japanese rice paddy ponds all the way to today so okay yeah i'm ready all right all right so let's let's start things off by saying you know what what are koi okay when we see koi, um, you have likely seen them. So uh, a lot of, it's kind of like a, a pond fish that can be quite large, torpedo shaped. And they have been selectively bred to be really vibrant colors, body shapes. And um, again, these hobbyists have documented bloodlines through centuries. Okay. So koi are carp. Okay. So that's family Cyprinidae. Yeah. Remember mm-hmm. theology, man? Yep. yep. So that's... Um, one of, if not the largest, uh, fish families, right? In... I believe Cyprinidae is. Yeah. I also so. know they split it into something else, but I'm pretty sure but it's still the like... biggest. I okay. think so. Not too long ago. Yep. So huge freshwater fish family, but um, despite being from koi, being from a huge freshwater fish family, it's it's from or originated from a single species. Okay. <laughs> and this is species Cyprinus rubrofuchus. Apologies if I got the name wrong, everybody. Um, and I wrote it's a humble, <laughs> humble brown fish, okay? Native to Eastern Europe and some Asian countries as well. So, okay. again, just like dogs or horses, they have that that bred um, bloodline, okay? that This is just like koi, okay? 
and they've gone and un undergone immense changes to their appearance. But make no mistake, there was kind of this idea that maybe koi are from multiple different species, one, one carp species, okay? Mm. So um, not common carp either. Some people thought it was, or goldfish, which is Carassus auroratus. Aurora, Latin. That's probably because of, like, bright. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Fun. I'm so bad with Latin names, everyone. Um, this is not true, though. So koi, single species, all right? Um, other just fun facts about koi. It's a cold water species, but they can also grow in warm water. Um, mm. So it's fish, there's like cool, cold, or warm water species. It just depends on what their preferred habitat is. Uh, koi are really hardy, so they can be anywhere. Uh, if you're going to make a koi pond, and that's why you're listening in, I'm not going to go too much into specifics, but, you know, ponds that are like three to five feet deep depth and greater is good. And, um, you know, maintaining good water quality is good as well so they're hardy fish but if you want to keep them for a long time good oxygen water temp ph knowing those is, is huge so poor water quality and we will cover this can lead to some very bad diseases that can you know wipe out a whole uh if you think of like a production facility of koi be quite bad okay mm -hmm. right yeah. um and then you know koi are omnivores too so they 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 munch on anything, right? So yeah, a uh, carp. I mean, they're carp, right? At the end of the day, they're hardy. They'll eat mm -hmm. pretty much anything they can fit in their mouth. So yes, and so males reach um, reproduction age at three to five years, oh. females at four to six, and average lifespan is about forty years or oh. greater under captive conditions. Hmm. Two things. Um, I didn't realize they were that long lived. Um, I guess we talked mm -hmm. about a little bit earlier. Um, but also, yeah, I didn't realize they reached, I, th I thought they would have been one of those species that reached maturity a lot faster and then reproduced like a ton. I don't know. I pictured them as kind of like rabbits where there's just, they're everywhere just cause they're yeah, so common, little, I guess. It takes it a little bit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, I mean, but when they do, it's, it's a fish. So they, they yeah. pump out a bunch of eggs. So, <laughs> it's um, a fish. Yes. I remember it. So in my one, uh, hatchery class, we did spawn out koi, right? So that was interesting. And, oh, uh, you did. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I take that class if you haven't yet. <laughs> Way back when. Okay. Okay. Moving on. So now I'm going to talk about the, the humble roots of this, uh, the hobby. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, indigenous to Koi or indigenous to Central Europe, East Asia, or some Asian countries, but uh, domestication. So we're going to flip to domestication of Koi really begun in China. Okay. They were put in rice paddies ponds as like a, um, way to supplement farmers livelihoods or just to to eat something in the winter right so um that was there but some in china there might have been some selective breeding that was occurring but really the the as we see is like a hobby for koi was really happened in japan so it was not 100 percent sure when or how koi got brought to japan but um, some have suggested as early as 200 BC. Oh, BC wow. brought, wow. and that was because um, of Chinese invasions to the island. Okay. Hmm. Again, koi was raised as food. And, you know, from the second to 17th century, that was where it happened. And particularly in a very um, prefecture, I believe it's called in like Japanese society, but the uh, Yama. Koshi village in Nagata, N-I-I-G-A-T-A, 
prefecture that's like kind of like the ground zero of where these were were bred and raised through that time and um so in like the 17th century 1800s um was when this formal breeding of koi began okay so okay. for different color variations it started successful color variations in that early years was red blue white yellow they can be all these colors okay mm. and then so 1800s it wasn't until 1914 so like this very specific time that mm -hmm. the individuals from uh, the nagata prefecture brought these koi that they've been breeding through to the the tokyo expositions okay i'm thinking like state fair or like yeah national so, fair so type this of situation. was kind of this was kind of kept under wraps for hundreds of years yeah yep so i think it was mostly oh. for food in the beginning right but then yeah. over time documentation um is suggesting that for color and for that hobby is is what happened in the 1914 okay they brought to the exposition and this is like the first time the world saw these koi right pretty cool hmm. and yeah. uh well received right people loved it think about that 1914 like just these yeah it's like i mean we, we go into world like war right or right after the first world war something ah, but uh gonna get me on that but I it's know. close fact police help us and then so yeah i think like there's no there's no fish stores selling like these giant multicolored fish like mm -hmm. this this is brand new and people are like whoa <laughs> yeah well i'm still i'm still surprised it's so relatively recent you could have told me this was going on for or like so recent that it was kind of made known to the world i guess mm -hmm. I, you could have yeah. told me this was happening like since the 1600s and i would have believed you i know so that's super well received right so much so that um some koi were given as a gift to the emperor at that time and uh hirohito emperor hirohito hirohito maybe um i think i've heard that before <laughs> matt can attest to my very poor pronunciations <laughs> so i am going to apologize i do not want to offend everybody um so please someone correct me if uh i'm saying it wrong but yes yeah. so the emperor was given at that time some some fish super just loved it right and they they oh. put the the koi in the imperial palace moat Ooh. so right so they're just swimming around in the moat hmm. and from this exposition and their residence at the imperial palace this news of these colorful fish spread and eventually went to worldwide hmm. and this is where we get the koi hobby right fun mm -hmm. yeah fun i think it's also interesting too i guess why they're so probably popular is they are a freshwater fish that's so vibrant you usually don't see too many freshwater fish that are so colorful mm -hmm. i guess down here in the southeast we have darters darters are if you don't know what darters are people go ahead and look them up they are very vibrantly colored especially when they're in their kind of mating colors yeah um, but yeah and they're a big fish too like a big colorful big. fish yeah hmm. yep so that we touched on the hobby now let's go a little bit more in the economics because again the, the koi trade is um huge and we'll, we'll a lot of sections will kind of overlap with each other so i put economics here um because i wrote the thing <laughs> and he's in charge today <laughs> there's three quality types of koi okay and oh. i'm sure there's like more but like these are the three big ones so we got like pond raised koi and you can think of these are like uh the cheap koi like um not 
super vibrant, you know, maybe like a single color, nothing like they don't stand out, right? Mm -hmm. um, so they, they sell at lower amounts. Then we have next is the ornamental koi quality. Uh, they have maybe some specific color variations, some spotting, their fins might be cool, uh, their size, certain size. So there's all these different dimensions that have different price tanks on them. Mm. And then we have uh, the third is show quality koi. Oh. Very distinct features with strict, strict bloodlines, okay, that get kept. Think about mm. like horse bloodlines, right? Yeah. And yeah, um, I guess, yeah. Yep. So traits worthy of competition, okay? Mm. So you may be asking, Riley, why are they so expensive? I'm still not understanding. Like, and there's, there's, there's a couple reasons why koi can, not all koi get up to that 1.8 million. That was a, you know, um, pretty, phenomenal feature but there's a few reasons so okay so when you're when you're spawning out fish spawning success survival there can be a lot of things that happen uh you, you have a lot of eggs a lot of fish but they don't all survive we talked about that in our very first podcast could be related larval fish survival ship and it's estimated that about 20 percent survive to adulthood in koi so oh. if you're a producer you can't yeah you gotta sell it at x your baseline Mm -hmm. Just to keep the doors open needs to be yeah. only so much, right? That's really low. Yeah, I know, right? Hmm. Um, so of these fish, you know, 20% survival, but then of those, not all of them are show quality, right? Mm -hmm. So you have like a handful that are show quality, maybe a handful that have like uh, certain traits. And then, yeah, so that involves too, like processing. So you got to look and be like, hmm, is this one going to be cool? And then... In some of the documentation that I was reading, like koi change color over time as well. So like, oh, yeah, like think about like you're like this is a winner, and then like two years later you're like, oh man, like mm. didn't actually pan out. So you gotta have you know a lot of stock, I guess you could say. Mm. And um, fish don't grow to crazy big body types overnight. So you have a uh, certain size and dimensions that you have to keep for years. Okay, and if you think about a hatchery, you know, if the oxygen goes out on one of your tanks, done so. So that goes into price. Biosecurity, which we'll cover a little bit later. Biosecurity is making sure no disease is getting in your facility. So that can be expensive, which relates to that chlorine thing like we talked about um, with the, in the beginning of our, before we talked about koi. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, space, equipment, maintenance. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, also recently so prices have really like risen and that's because demand is high people oh, people yeah. want these super ornate fishes and they don't just they don't just pop up overnight you can't make yeah. them so like <laughs> there's like a backlist for some of these really high-end producers because hmm. they they're like yeah we'll find you one but it might take a while um and then again show quality koi are the the top of the top bloodlines you can't reproduce the bloodline so, you know, if it's very strictly regulated, there's only X amount that have these very unique traits that are um, of high value to the industry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. When you kind of lay it out like that, where you have kind of all the overhead and when you're only <laughs> able to produce like so many, yeah, like fish. Yeah. The price of those fish has to be pretty high, right? Because of all and the, all the work that goes into it. As of 2022. This is our year we're talking about. Uh, there was some example costs. So that mm -hmm. 1.8 million, one-off, right? But so like common commercial koi, 
uh, that are that pond quality, you could see like 10 to 17 bucks. Okay, oh. they're selling for. Pretty reasonable price. Ornamental or those boutique koi. Um, you could have kind of larger kois that are a couple years old from 35 to $650. That's um, a big range. 350 to $2,500 for large with large size to extra large size with rare markings. Okay. It's getting up there. <laughs> yeah, that, that number shot up really quickly. Show koi. So the top of the top, uh, 16000 for jumbo size, oh, rare wow. markings, and a breeding certificate. Okay. <laughs> up to 200000 for jumbo size koi with grand champion, like one grand champion shows. Huh. Uh, typically going to be from Japan producers. Okay, Japanese. Wow. Yep. And then, so that... U.S. Agricultural Marketing Research Center did a kind of report on koi farming in the United States. There's about 149 farms in 29 states that raise koi. Um, combined revenue from those 149 farms of 8.14 million. So I think in like world comparison on the low end, uh, farmers who sell it. So you got to think farmers make a or produce them, but like did the, there's a for for um what am I looking for like pet stores that sell mm -hmm. them they'll they'll put that extra increase on there so you know two to four dollars per three to four inch fish that's okay. what farmers were getting and then if you had like twenty three to twenty four inch fish that could be six hundred sixty to three thousand dollars that the farmers were making wow yeah mm -hmm. yeah that that number shot up real quick yep yeah I and bet usually that you, sorry you know, and yeah and and usually too with with Koi ponds, obviously, like you're going to add more than a handful of fish, you know, because you want all those colors kind of happening at once. So, yeah. yeah, that number can add up really quickly if you're putting like, I don't know, anywhere from 10 to 20 fish in your pond. Even more than that if it's a decent sized pond, right? Yeah. If you think of like uh, someone who has a koi pond, mm -hmm. <laughs> you think of like those large, like 10 year animals, right? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't, like, don't, don't mess with people's koi ponds, everyone. Like, huh. yep. Interesting, yeah. right? Very. So, okay, that's prices, economics. Let's talk about variations. So there's fun variations. We'll talk about three. There's hundreds in existence, technically, but we'll talk about the big three ones. Um, and this is from the kind of the higher end ones in the the, the Goshaki Shanki family. G O S A N K E. Goshanki. Okay. Uh, so we got three. So number one is. Okahu, mm -hmm. and this is known as, and we'll talk about colors and what they mean too in a little bit. But so these, this one is a red, white skin with red markings, and I'll have photos of this on Fishwater and Travel the posting. Um, what's what's used or coveted for these ones is they have the these red markings called hi, 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 um, and <laughs> it's it depending on where they are in the body and like boldness of it they can affect the, the 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 price and yeah i mean if you think of like dog shows that you see like the judges they have like mm -hmm. fish judges that'll like look at the fish and be like, what's up and uh large plump torpedo shape is what they're looking for with those cool markings mm -hmm. okay then we have uh s-a-n-k-e sanke and that's a new one, another one so this is that the red white markings but then they have black spots called sumi okay okay 
the black spots yep is another coveted thing but it's yeah it's it's that blend of it how's the high looking and the the sumi and uh quality should be unblemished with even whiteness and an even red high black spots throughout the body okay mm-hmm. yep 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 i mean me describing this probably isn't as useful as people seeing it <laughs> so i really encourage people to look at um photos um, which we'll have so and then the last one is showa showa has so instead of like Saki, which has like a white body this one has a black body with the red oh. white markings okay Ooh. yep yeah that one and sounds... in case you're wondering hey riley how do they know the difference between uh Saki and a showa if there is black on the head it's a showa okay. cool i was like thanks so hopefully oh bonus variety bonus variety i gave you an extra one this is a tancho t-a-n-c-h-o and this one looks like a japanese flag white with a red like circle mark on its head huh like a perfect like they like had the flag and then like the fish and it's like boom so that's pretty cool um and this one is thought to represent the red crowned crane and brings luck and fidelity okay yeah there's a lot of symbolism right a lot of symbolism i like the other colors really quick we have metallic blue diamond pattern yellow platinum gold bronze uh scaleless with different colored skin fin Hmm. coloring fin size body shape body size age it all plays (laughs) that got out of hand real quick i know oh lord seriously i could have went down like a week-long rabbit hole but i was like i'm just gonna cut it off here okay yeah <laughs> so color we have the three type of big variations uh just a real quick on mythology and symbology okay Ooh, yeah so koi their color patterns there's there's deep symbology especially with japanese culture uh koi itself is another word for love and affection in japanese oh, okay that's nice and um yeah spiritual symbolic meanings uh courageousness and tenacity just koi itself like what does that mean hmm. um so dealing with uh issues head on be like a koi hmm. yep uh luck wealth and abundance so good fortune like uh is attributed to the fish uniqueness so self-expression koi are different colors you can be unique um and then affection again koi itself the word is love and friendship hmm. isn't that nice Yep. that is nice and then so like that's koi itself there's meaning to colors too so like if you were going to give me koi as a gift you might have like a reason for the coloring that you gave me so oh. but like so like huh. col- coloring like hey i want you to have career success success you, you'd give me a red and white one okay oh if you want me to find true love yellow white with black markings hmm. Like, hey, I want you to become very rich. So career success was one thing. Business success or richness was gold and platinum. Hmm. Okay. If you, I kind of like going that. Through a life change. Give me a white body with black spots. Uh, long-lasting relationship. Give me white and red again. Masculinity, strength, and fatherhood. You give me a black fish. Hmm. Okay. If, uh, I like this. If you have, like, females, mother-daughter, pink, motherhood, red, tranquility and peace you'd give me a blue fish hmm yeah. I, I don't I, that makes me really happy i like that i like that you just give somebody a fish and you're like here you go like i wish you success yeah oh. yeah so <laughs> let me pan through here a little bit there's a couple more sections everyone lots of lots about koi 
Um, so talked about the price of koi is related to there's a lot of things that can happen in its development and there are koi diseases that people really have to watch out for so again although hardy there are two fish diseases um, that can be from koi so the first one is koi herpes virus chv have you ever heard about this matt no, I've heard of the regular herpes virus, but not one specific to koi. Similar, so that those lesions, right, that can mm. occur on fish. And this is, I think it was named koi herpes virus because it affects the industry and like koi themselves, but it can be to other carp species. Yes, like oh. common carp. So, okay, I guess that um, makes sense. First noted, noted in United Kingdom in 1996. Uh, nearly every country has documented koi herpes virus. I remember in, when I worked in like a, the hatchery, I think remembering like hearing about this because it's, it's pretty um, widespread. And so really quickly, really broad scale, you know, uh, koi herpes virus, it's hard to tell if your fish has it. Um, you know, they might display erratic swimming behavior, non-normal movements, uh, but then, yeah, it leads to lesions, gill molting, red and white patches on the skin, tissue necrosis, yeah, like, uh, then yeah, eventual death. Oh, and I, that's fatal. That is fatal. Wow. And so yeah, this can... That's way worse than the human one. And why I know this is um, an issue, too, is because in the Midwest here, there's actually, this can get out to the natural environment. So there can be carp die-offs, and they're like, what the heck is happening? Why are all these carps dying? Like in midsummer, you know, super warm, gross water, mm. and um, koi herpes virus. So Storm wow. Lake is the most recent example. It happened in August, so last month of 2022, and thousands of carp were washed up on shore. Wow. I had no idea. To koi herpes virus, yep. And some have like even thought like, hey, maybe because common carp can be, um, well, they are invasive, right, to the um, United States, mm -hmm. and people want to get rid of them, cause a lot of damage. So they're like, why don't we like inoculate lakes because it kills carp, right? Nothing else, to my knowledge. It's like people are like, no, don't, please don't do that. But <laughs> yeah, um, whenever you're trying to add stuff to a system to get rid of something else, it's never that simple. But yeah, so they um they got zapped um these wow. carp because of the koi herpes virus. So relationship to the industry, there you go. Hmm. And then so other carp viruses that are, are big in the industry is a spring viremia of carp, SVC. I took a fish disease class in Auburn, so I remember this one as well. Uh, won't cover it too much. Um, yeah, so going from like one taking a step back these these viruses are really big to the industry when you have show like koi shows so mm -hmm. i think you have these hundreds of thousand dollar fish that you're going to go for like a grand championship and then you get these these type of viruses you bring back to your facility and uh yeah you could zap your whole facility in, in years or decades of work uh so really 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 important um <laughs> and so i think like in some of these shows now like they used to like like hey like let's let's have these demonstration ponds or tanks with all these fish and be like oh that one's from this producer that one's from this producer they don't do that anymore no mixing be yeah. like that bet, that little not. yep they have like little like kiddie pools <laughs> and they'll like yeah. have like one fish in there and um yeah so 
SVC specifically, you know, just like any virus, it, it you know it spreads from slough skin, feces, urine in the water, um, non-normal swimming pattern again, loss of equilibrium. So fish diseases, they, they can't tell you what's going on and like trying to figure it out. It, it's really hard to do. Um, this one specifically has abdominal distension, inflammation, mm. swelling, um, hemorrhaging at the gills and skin. Uh, yeah, super, super unfortunate if your your fish gets sick with this. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's another fatal one? Can be fatal. Yep. Yeah. Yikes. Not a whole lot of documentation I saw like going into a natural environment. There was one lake in the United Kingdom in 2017, but um, not so much that the koi herpes virus definitely can spread to lakes, I think, a little bit more. And um, hmm. it just has that name factor koi herpes virus people are like what in the world is that so mm -hmm. yeah yep so a couple of diseases and koi can actually be invasive themselves so hmm. teller lake in colorado is an example of this and i don't know so if again if you have pets don't release them that's how you get like the pythons in uh the everglades type of situation uh they're goldfish for example there's you know news reports of pulling out goldfish from uh minnesota lakes they can survive and koi mm -hmm. can as well so all these bright fish are there was up to three thousand estimated in this teller lake of yeah these brightly colored koi fish in this lake now um, wow because someone dumped their unwanted pet there thought it was you know oh i'm being nice i'm releasing it to let it go free and it's like you can really mess up a freshwater system, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. And koi are actually on the 100 most invasive species in the, in the world. Really? Yep. Huh. They can, uh, just like car common carp, they stir up that benthic area, uh, could you know, reduce water quality, potentially stimulate um, harmful algal blooms, and outcompete other native species. Remember, they're, um, they're omnivores, so they kind of mm -hmm. eat anything, and that really, oh. as an invasive species, is a good trait because you can kind of feed on anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. And especially yep. with their big body size too, they don't really have any natural predators, I assume. Yeah. They did say like small, another reason for in like a uh, productions, they have smaller fish since they're so brightly colored, they can get picked out by birds. Mm -hmm. So you have to like watch out for birds, especially when you have like them growing. But yeah, once they get to a certain size, yeah. Who's going to yeah. eat that bad? Big old torpedo. My neighbor growing up, he had koi. I know his were like, I think he had like maybe a dozen, and they were some that were like between that like sixty to three hundred fifty dollar range. And there was one heron that kept coming through, and he would come through and just spear one and like <sighs> grab it and fly away. Yeah, um, think so about that was all like, that money. Yeah, like three hundred fifty dollars just flies away with this heron. Um, yeah, so yeah. He got he had to get creative. Well, it's like he, he wants to put a net over it, but you're like, what's the point of having a net over the pond? Because then I can't see my koi fish. So yep. Yeah. So yeah, koi, very bright, vibrant fish. Okay, rich history, many cultures. It's it's super fun. Uh, again, one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is people people get into freshwater for different reasons. Some people like raising pets. Some people like fishing. Some people like water quality. And hopefully we can service all of you and learn from these different avenues. So I thought it was interesting, so that's why I brought it in. So so expensive these fish can be, and uh, yeah, right, you, just I, very few fish that are raised like this with that that bloodline, that history. 
which has now gone to all parts of the world, right? So um, there's, I love YouTube too, because there's like, there's like, I think it's like the Koi Pond guy or something. And he's oh, like from the yeah. Netherlands and he has like documentaries that are just vivid, like like National Geographic ones for, for Koi. <laughs> and he's like, he yeah. just loves it. And I was like, and he like, like when, when researching this article, yeah, I watched one and it's, yeah, he's going to like these really like, formal like japanese like areas that have been raising these air, uh, fish for for centuries right and wow. these family farms that are just ornate and it's so so interesting so yeah a lot a lot of stuff in fresh water everyone and mm. uh this one is this one's big koi has their problems you know disease and people need to really make sure if you're gonna say get into this hobby you know 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 that they're very expensive in some cases and a lot can go wrong, but on the flip side, um, can be very rewarding and uh, with a lot of symbology and meaning. So, if you if you want to do it, you know, drop us a photo. <laughs> if you have some koi, I'd love to see like people. Yeah, yeah, fond, right? Yeah, I'd uh, love to see people set up. I mean, I yeah. think I can imagine how relaxing they can be. Well, you you know, there's a park kind of down the street from from our apartment, and it's got a bunch of koi in it. I don't know how that got started, but there's probably like fifty koi in this that. pond. Now I'm, tempted to maybe, now I'm tempted to go grab some and like, I don't know, sell them on some koi market or something. Yeah, they had like <laughs> like peasant koi markings though. They were just like gold. Oh, did they? Oh, no, I'm okay. Kidding. But uh, oh, I that... missed that park, man. It was really nice. That's where Rachel and I got engaged. Kiesel Park, right? Yeah, Kiesel Park. That's right. That I found that park in like the height of um, COVID. Uh... And that just saved us because it was like, what, like a four mile mm -hmm. walk around? Yeah. That's nice. Gorgeous. Like I said, it was gorgeous. Watching the uh, watching the fish super super relaxing. Yeah, but yeah. Except I remember that pond. That water quality was just kind of not it, the best. It was murky. It still is murky at times. On uh, the flip I mean, side, I, with all those fish, like they're gonna stir it up. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's probably a little densely packed. Yep, there's a ton of fish in there. You can see every single one of them. But yeah, so yeah. All right, man. Is there um any anything for the rest of the week you want to talk about? Outro. What else have we got going on? Well, first, um, if you want to read more about this, fishwaterandtravel.com, um, all the social media as well, Fishwater and Travel, um, YouTube as well. I have a YouTube channel up. Uh, let's see what else I got going on, man. Um, just busy. We got three experiments going on in the lab right now. Two of the master students. We have a visiting professor from India that's running an experiment. Um, just trying to keep the keep the freezers from getting too full with all the pigments. Um, so yeah, yeah just, just making samples. Sure, yep. Yeah, just making sure we don't run out of room is kind of the biggest thing right now. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what what about you, man? You guys got anything planned? We got my wife and I were trying to save up for our uh, honeymoon, and oh. uh, so we got like a, a second job like at a gate of like a. It's it's like um an outdoor, event center, oh, okay. and like we just like scam people in. It's so hilarious, but like um, so we work there tonight, which will be fun. Okay. And, um, yeah, it's like, a. my wife and I have normal jobs and a little, so we were looking for something that we could do together. Yeah. And like, a little side less, like stressful, like unstressful. And like mm -hmm. the people are older. It's like a richer, not where I live, but like that we drive to it and it's a, <laughs> it's a richer community. So like they're just relax and like, just happy to be there. So it's, it's funny. Then, then the volunteers that work there too. So there's some volunteers in exchange, they get to go to the, the, the event. So like oh. you know like the Temptations, Brandy Carlisle's up there, like these like oh, good names. So no, like, so like yeah, 
if you want to like drive a cart you or like work security for a couple hours you get like a free um hmm. ticket and uh i tell you they have just the it's most interesting stories they all, all have like like one lady's about <laughs> her farmstead like they all have like backgrounds like one guy he like <laughs> has a blueberry farm the other guy oh. he's like a, a thespian he does like uh all like the the arts and stuff for this other oh, small wow. town and like so it's just like they like ask you a question and they're super nice but then also they're like they're ready to talk about them so <laughs> <laughs> so like and then they all have like an interesting way of doing things too so that's fun they're like you need to like scan in the ticket like this and i was like okay it's fine like uh, <laughs> like whatever you want me to do buddy am i not doing this minimum wage job correctly i'm sorry <laughs> I know, it's like it's like it's like they, we're, we're getting them in everyone's fine but yeah so <laughs> it's funny gosh yeah so uh that's what we'll be doing for the next couple weeks and um yeah saving up money going to a honeymoon you'll have to go on a honeymoon too huh buddy yeah well where do you guys plan on going so we got married a year ago right mm -hmm. and um we are going to try to go to europe we never have oh so right nice. yeah, yeah so need some funds so we um i want to go to rome nice and then like so i think we're gonna fly into munich mm -hmm. okay go through mm -hmm. switzerland and then down okay. into Italy. Yeah, take the train. I think there's a train that takes you most of the way there, or you can I drive. Think so yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's that's your heritage, your people, right, man? <laughs> yeah, the, the Italians. That's right, and the, the Swiss. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you're like from the area, so. Uh, yep. Bada bing, bada boom. I should go to. <laughs> I don't know my background. Well, Irish. Mm. I was always told Bohemian. Someone told me Bohemian's not a good word to say, so I apologize. Uh, I I have that. Um, whatever you want to call it heritage uh, heritage so i apologize lineage for that. So, yeah so czech i guess i don't know and then yeah. german too so i guess i'll okay. go into one of my homelands there you go and then uh i think sam is spanish and then oh really huh. yeah i think we're both have multiple yeah heritages we should take like one of those 23 me's yeah rachel but, uh, got one for me and it wasn't a huge surprise it came back yeah like 70 percent italian and then the rest was just like a mess of europe where it's like yeah yeah so we're trying for the winter so we would do like christmas in europe christmas oh, that'd in be fun nice rome maybe specifically nice man but... yeah man so that's it for us all right yeah i think so but uh okay yep until next time riley i'll see you all right see you matt